Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the Old Testament book of Numbers. The Old Testament book of Numbers and Numbers in chapter number 20. Numbers and chapter number 20. As we're continuing to go with the children of Israel through the wilderness wanderings, we've witnessed over and over and over, especially in the last several messages, what is the one thing that the people have done continually? Complain, 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 complain. And when you read through the book of Numbers, if you are like me, you almost say, what in the world's wrong with these people? Why can't they get it right? But then you look at yourself and why can't you get it right? And find that we fall on the same trap. What we see is that people are people. Oh, thank you for the grace of God. Well, guess what we're going to bring up today? Complaining. Why? Because that's what they're continually doing. But now we could see the consequences of a biblical leader who has to deal with two and a half million complaining people for 40 years. After a while, it's bound to wear down even the strongest or the meekest person. And notice with me in the book of Numbers chapter number 20. The book of Numbers chapter 20. And notice with me in verse 1. Numbers chapter 20 and verse 1. Then came the children of Israel, even the whole congregation, into the desert of Zin in the first month. And the people abode in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. And the people chode uh, with Moses and spake, saying, Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. And why have you brought up the congregation of the Lord into this wilderness, that we and our cattle should die? And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt, to bring us into this place, this evil place. It is no place of seed or of figs or of vines or of pomegranates. Neither is there any water to drink. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they fell upon their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses saying, take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. And it shall give forth his water, and thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock. So thou shalt give the congregation and their beast drink. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels, must we fetch you water out of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod he smote the rock twice. And the water came out abundantly, and the congregation drank, and their beast 
also. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, Because ye believed me not, to sanctify me in the eyes of the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation to the land which I have given them. This is the water of Meribah. Because the children of Israel strove with the Lord, and he was sanctified in them. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a command that God had given Moses in the book of Numbers chapter 20? The book of Numbers chapter number 20, and notice with me if you don't mind, in the book of Numbers chapter 20 in verse number 8, where it says, Speak ye unto the rock. Speak ye unto the rock. And what we have here is the biblical command and what God is trying to picture of the Lord Jesus Christ here is speak ye, (coughs) uh, speak ye unto the rock. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for you being a wonderful God. And I thank you for your provision, how you take care of us, and how we can trust you. And forgive us for those times that we fail to look at you and fail to trust you, and we complain and we don't believe you and we don't accept that you're going to take care of us. Lord, forgive us for that. Lord, I'm asking that you would just help us to, on purpose, to trust you and at your word, that you are a trustworthy God. Give us grace beyond measure. And once again, I dare not, especially with this message, I dare not try to do things in my own flesh, in my own power, in my own strength, knowing that if it's me, I'll ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. So I'm depending upon your spirit that you said that if I speak to you, you would give it to me freely. And that's what I'm asking now. Lord, we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Speak ye unto the rock. Well, once again, we come to the children of Israel wondering, and they come to the place of complaining. The first thing I'd like to show you in this passage here is people needing water rebelled. The people needing water rebelled. Notice, we know that some time has passed as God has led the children of Israel. They went into the promised land, they received the Ten Commandments, they received the the plans for the sanctuary, for the tabernacle. They built the tabernacle. God gave them the book of Leviticus, which was a more telling of the law. The people agreed to it. Then as we come to the book of Numbers, we could see the complaining and the complaining, even to the place where God said, here's the promised land. And the people refused to go into the promised land. And they complain and God's, I'm done. I'll do the next generation. 40 years, you're going to wonder. We'll get the next generation. We'll let them go. So now they're tasked with wondering and the people of complaining and murmuring the whole way and now they have another excuse to murmur they're without water now notice in verse number one as we could see things leading up first uh chapter 20 verse one and it came to, then came the children of israel even the whole congregation into the desert of zin in the first month and the people abode in kadesh And Miriam died there and was buried. Now at this time, Miriam's pretty close to 90. So she's lived a long, full life. She's lived longer than everyone else. But she passed. And so they buried her. They took care of her. But now they're starting to look and there's no water. Verse number 2. And there was no water for the congregation. And they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. Now remember, at this time... 
God has already proven himself for a year, couple years. He's already been leading him in the wilderness wanderings. And he's supernaturally feeding them with food every day. Remember, it takes about 150 boxcar, trained boxcars to feed the people every day. 150 uh, boxcars worth of food. In order to water everyone, the people, the kids, the animals, everything, it takes approximately 11 million gallons of water a day. And so God has provided water for them for a couple of years now, supernaturally. Sometimes bring them to a spring, sometimes through the Mar- rock of Meribah. He's already done things. He's already proven himself. Now remember, we talked about complaining. That what is complaining? It's saying God has not been good and God has not been right. And so how can these people say that God's not been good when he's been supernaturally feeding them and supernaturally providing them water every day for years? Remember that we also talked about with the idea of complaining is that they're wasting their energy. They could have used that same energy and just prayed and talked to God and God would have gladly given it to them. But they didn't pray. And of course we've related to ourselves. It's much easier to complain than do the work of praying. And that complaining is the default. But you'd almost say why don't these people get, get it across? Why can't they put it in their minds? Why don't you pray? But nope. They're default. They're in the habit of complaining. And once again instead of trusting God they're complaining. And once again who gets blamed? It's the preacher's fault. Moses! Why'd you bring us out here? You want to kill us out in the wilderness. Now notice this. Verse number three. And the people chode. The word chode is a very interesting word. It carries the idea to rub up against verbally. They're going against Moses. They're chiding against him. Come on, Moses. You just wanted to see us die. We would have been better off. Notice verse three. Would God that we had died when our brethren died before the Lord. Now remember, what has occurred before this? Well, you have the rebellion of Korah that opened up and had swallowed him up. That's pretty horrible, isn't it? You had the people who who were complaining about the food. I'm tired of this man. I need something else. So God gave them quails. And then as they're having it in their mouth, they complaining that this isn't good enough while they're eating it. God's killed them all. Killed a bunch of them. Then you have the people that complain that God had killed the people. And God killed some more. And so what they're saying is, God, Moses, we would have been better off if God killed us than us die like this. Are you ever better off than God killed you? As long as there's life, there's hope. And as long as there's God on the throne, he can answer prayers. But nope, they're complaining and they said, we would have been better off dead than to die like this, to die of thirst. Why? Why have you brought, uh, uh, ye brought up the congregation of the Lord of the wilderness that we should in our cattle die here? Man, they use this over and over. Moses, you just brought us in the wilderness to die. Why did you bring us up here to die? By the way, Moses is following after God. He's doing what God said. God didn't tell Moses any of this. He's just following after God. God, Moses had nothing to do with the discussions of where we're going to be at. He's just following what God had. Verse 5, And wherefore have ye made us to come up out of Egypt to bring us 
into this evil place. It is no place of seed or figs or vines or pomegranates. Or is there any water to drink? Basically, they're saying, there's no quick trips here. This isn't a good place. There's no Walmarts. There's nothing here. There's no McDonald's. What kind of stupid place is this? You only have one McDonald's in this town. It's not... They're, they're complaining. They're finding something to complain about. Now, I understand they're hungry. They're thirsty. But they didn't trust. God has proven himself over and over and over. And yet they're still complaining. So we could see a people needing water. They rebelled. So they're rebelling against God's authority. They're rebelling against God. They're blaming Moses and they're blaming Aaron. Now, again, I call this whole series the blessing of leadership. How many of you would like to take Moses' job after hearing all of this to lead two and a half million complaining people through the wilderness for 40 years? No wonder it said that Moses was the meekest man in all of the earth. This was not the fun. You know, some people just imagine Moses. Yes, I saw these plagues. You almost have the idea the way that people describe it is that at any time he could raise his rod and he could do a miracle himself. He couldn't do any miracle. It was God that did it. But they have the idea that he was always hailed as a hero and what great thing, even as looking at how the Hebrew people uh, worship Moses to a degree even now. Oh, look at how great Moses is. Well, Moses wasn't feeling that this was the best job in the world during those 40 years. To deal with two and a half million complaining people that just won't get it. How many times does God have to do something for you to finally say, you know what, God's been great to us. But they don't. So what we see is a provision of water from the rock. The provision of water. Moses and Aaron did what they were supposed to do and they went to God. Verse number six. And Moses and Aaron went from the presence of the assembly unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation and they fell on their faces and the glory of the Lord appeared unto them. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod, and gather the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother. But notice his instruction, Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes. Now this was specific instructions. Speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. Now this was very clear command. He was just supposed to speak and the water was to come out. And he was supposed to do it in front of everyone. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts to drink. So there we could see the, the provision. God had already provided. He told, it, he told Moses what he needed to do. But then we could see this last thing and where we're going to spend the rest of our time. The picture of the water ruined. The picture of the water ruined. Verse number 9. And Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. So he's obeying good so far. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together before the rock. And he said unto them, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water out of this rock? Now in verse number 10, we could see Moses finally break. Now again, I've been trying to paint the picture here that it's not just this one incident. I mean, some of you have been listening to this or almost been figuring out when are we going to get out of this complaining section. I mean, every message we're hearing complaining, complaining. But it's building up to this. Moses, for these several years, however long it's been right now, 
has dealt with two and a half million complaining people for years. They're coming to him all the time. And when things get bad, who do they blame? Moses. When things get really bad, what do they think about doing? Stoning Moses. You go back and look through the book of Exodus and look through the book of Numbers and find how many times the people were plotting to kill him. Now, after a while, that's got to wear on anyone. Anyone. Some of you said, well, I could deal with complaining people. Have at it. Some of you have a hard time with just dealing with family. Some of you have a hard time dealing with work or school. Can you imagine not being appreciated, not being thankful for, being blamed for everything that goes wrong to the place where they're thinking about killing you every couple months, getting blamed for everything, wouldn't that wear on anyone? Absolutely. Now, I'm not excusing Moses, but I'm very much empathizing with Moses. Because he's dealt with these rebels. Now, I want you to think. Moses, once again, gets before the people. The people just, just a couple minutes ago, were talking about killing him. They're rebelling against God. They're blaming God for what's going on. And so he addresses them. So he gets, he gets up. Fresh commands from God, looks at this command and looks at their faces. This is why, by the way, God tells Jeremiah not to behold their faces. Because as a preacher, if you look at people's faces, well, then you change your message some. Or you get really aggravated. I need to preach towards him, whether the people are looking at me like this, or whether they're like this. <laughs> not to behold their faces. I keep threatening one day I'm going to put cameras up and then I'm going to show you your faces when I preach and see how you would like it. All right? <laughs> so don't behold their faces. So he gets up. He stands before them, ready to obey God's command. And he's watching all these people with just looks. You better get this right, Moses. It's your fault. He's just looking at these rebels and he's tired. Of dealing with these people. By the way. He's still got like 20 something. 30 something more years to deal with them. This is still early on. Man. Looks at all these rebels. And notice what he does. Pride starts to get in the way. He's not trusting God. He's trusting himself. Verse number 10. And Moses and Aaron gathered the congregation together. And he said unto them. Here now ye rebels. Must we. Fetch you water out of this rock. Notice that word we. Moses has now lip, uh, put himself with him and the Lord. It was never Moses' job to water the people. It was never Moses' job to perform a miracle. It was God's job. It is God's job to take care of the sheep. Moses was the under shepherd just to obey the great shepherd in taking care of them. But Moses got to a place of pride. Why? He's tired of dealing with these complaining people. 
By the way, the book of Hebrews chapter 13 verse 17 covers this. It says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. For they watch over your souls that they must do it as they must give an account. That they may do it with joy and not with grief. For this is unprofitable to you. What had happened? The people were not submitted. And so Moses is watching out for their souls because he has to give an account to God. But because they're not obeying, because they're always complaining, God's having to send judgment and punishment to him. And he knows that this is not going to end well. And he's broken hearted for him. And now it got to the place where it's hurting the messenger taking care of the people. And he's broken hearted. He's miserable. Looking at the rebels. Tired of having death threats against him. Tired of the people always blaming him when things don't work out. And in a moment of pride, he takes it personally. By the way, in the ministry, you can never take it personally. Because their problem was with the Lord, not me. I'm just the messenger boy. It's with God. But he took it personally. And by the way, again, he's not right. But wouldn't it be very easy to take it personally when they're threatening to kill you? Kind of hard not to take it personally. You know what you have to do? You have to die to self. You have to die to self. You have to die to self. That's why Moses was called the meekest man. But in this one moment, this one moment, he was not dead to self. In this one moment, his pride got in the way. In this one moment, he was tired and hurting and took it personally. And he put himself with God and said, we must, we fetch you. It was never about him, but it was God. And so out of his pride, out of his frustration, out of his hurt, he was hurt. Notice what he did in verse 11. And Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Now this twice isn't twice in a row. This is referring back to the earlier event. Remember when they first got into the land before they got the Ten Commandments. They came and said, we don't have any water. And God had him go to the rock of Meribah and he had him strike the rock and the water poured forth. Remember that? So this is talking about the second time, twice. So he's hit it once. Now he was not supposed to hit it again. He was supposed to speak to it. And the water was supposed to come out. But notice, Moses lifted up his hand and with his rod he smote the rod twice. And the water came out abundantly and the congregation drank and their beast also. Now, Moses gets yelled at by God. Verse number 12. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron, because ye believed me not to sanctify me and the children of Israel, therefore ye shall not bring this congregation to the land which I've given them. You say, well, wait a second. This sounds kind of harsh. I meant the people thought about killing them. Moses goes up and water comes out. But now God says, you know what? I'm done with you too. You're not going into the promised land. You're like, what just happened here? What happened is that God was trying to put a picture of Christ. Remember, we talked about this before with the tabernacle. Each piece of the tabernacle was to picture Christ. The offerings were supposed to picture Christ. There were so many pictures of Christ. Remember, Jesus wasn't born yet. They had to do pictures that people could look at and trust Christ based off of the pictures they had. What is the picture of Christ here? 
Well, Jesus Christ came and he died on the cross once and for all. Jesus does not need to be sacrificed anymore. That once was enough to take care of all the sins of the world. And once you and I accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior for ourselves, we don't need to be uh, saved again. We're saved once. Now, in order to get the Holy Spirit, which is, uh, water is a picture of the Holy Spirit, in order to get God's blessing, in order to get God's wisdom, in order to get God's things, all we have to do is ask. Speak, and he'll give us the water freely. The Bible, Jesus gives the same illustration in the book of John chapter 4, dealing with a woman of well, that he would have a life, a, a well of water springing up, life everlasting. That Jesus was struck once for us, not twice. Once he was struck, all we have to do to get the provision, the water, the Holy Spirit, whatever we need, is just to speak to him. However, when Moses struck the rock out of pride, out of anger, out of hurt, he ruined the picture of Christ that God was supposed to betray. And if there's one thing that God is death on, it's any picture that he is trying to portray for the people of Christ that someone messes up. What's worse is that Moses, out of pride, did not repent. In between verse 11 and 12, there's a small period of time where Moses was supposed to repent. And he did not. By the way, it's hard to repent when you're looking at yourself and you feel justified. I was right to yell at that no good! And you justify, I was right, why I rebelled, why I got angry, whatever else. By the way, we could empathize with Moses because we don't want to be in that position. But he was not right, even though we can understand why he did it. It doesn't justify what he did. But because he ruined this picture, and he did it publicly. Remember, he gathered everyone together. He did it publicly. And so he has to be chastised publicly. God has always been this way. That those who are in leadership can get away with a lot less than someone else can. Because I'm a public leader. Because I'm an emphasis. If I mess up, it affects a lot more people. Well, Moses is standing before two and a half million people and he messed up publicly. And God has always had consequences for sin. He could not allow Moses to continue with this. He had to chastise him. And so because of this, Moses is not going to see the promised land. Neither is Aaron who participated in this. And this is a horrible, sad story. I mean, Moses has been a hero. We look at this. Look at how much Moses has endured. And now this. Why? Because it ruined the picture of Jesus. It ruined the picture that Jesus had to be crucified once. He was sacrificed once. And that was enough. That all that's needed now is for us to speak. And he would give us this living water. And I'm thankful that Jesus only had to die once. And when he died, it was enough to cover all of the sins of the world. But what do we learn from us? How do we apply this? Well, 
There's always the <laughs> application that you could just speak to the rock. No matter what you have, you speak to the rock and God can give you provision. But the emphasis I want to place here today is that we learn that even the most meek and humble men must guard themselves in the heat of passion unless we destroy in just a few minutes what took us years to build. You know, you could have a good testimony and work on it for 30, 40 years and 30 seconds destroy everything that you built for. We've seen preachers that do that. Preachers that helped people and had good messages and worked. And then in one bad decision, they ruined their testimony and they hurt so many other people. You could try to live like a Christian now and you work hard. You teach a Sunday school class. I read my Bible. And in one moment that you're in the flesh, you could ruin a friendship. You could ruin your testimony. You could destroy the things that you've been working so hard to get influence with. We have to guard ourselves. We have to protect ourselves because it could take one bad day you say, am I not allowed to have bad days? Oh, Moses had plenty of bad days. What did he do? He ran to God. He depended on God. He trusted God. Because it takes one moment for us to ruin our testimony. It takes one bad decision to hurt others around us. We have to guard and protect ourselves all times. We never have permission to allow our emotions to cause us to make bad decisions. We never have permission to allow our emotions to affect our spirit or working with others. We have to guard that and protect it. Now, I know that is easier said than done. This is a warning. We have to guard ourselves all the time. All the time. Because people are watching. People are watching. If you could allow me a personal testimony. When I was in the military... Um, I was at Luke Air Force Base in Arizona, and we had the largest squadron of fighter jets than anywhere in the world. We have over 200 jets at that one location. We also have the oldest jets in the fleet. When I was there in the 90s and 2000s, we had training jets from the 70s. And um, <laughs> because they're training new pilots on F-16s, they're flying all the time, change out the engines and whatnot. And we had a stretch uh, where every month for nine months we had a plane crash. And if you're familiar with the Southwest, it is hot. And the further you go into the desert, the hotter it is. Well, would you know, they don't crash their plane on a convenient place. They once had a plane crash out in the middle of the deserts of Yuma. And it is white sand. It, it, there was no roads out there. And guess who they voluntold on a Saturday to go pick up plane parts? This guy. And I usually had soul winning and there was other things I wanted to do. But man, why do I... You have to go wake up 5 o'clock in the morning. It's hot. It's summer. It's 120 degrees. We have to wear our uniforms. There is no quick trip. There's no there's nothing out there. There's not even a town out there. There are no roads. We have to make our own roads out there. So we they get some vehicles and making their own roads to the desert and we spend all day from morning to sun up to sundown 
picking up plane parts. And by the way, because a plane goes fast, when it crashes, it's not just in one nice spot. It is spread out for miles when it hits. Now, I'm thankful for the pilot and all this stuff in there. Now, by the way, my other job in the military was a medic. As a medic and the laboratory technician, we also had a blood test and urine test. Everybody who touched that plane within 24 hours. So, guess what I've been doing the two days before? Blood testing and urine testing everyone. And now, on a Saturday, my day off after working overtime, they want me to go pick up plane parts. All right, so I go out there. And I pick up plane parts. And may I say that between the heat and being inconvenienced and everything else, my testimony was not the best. Now at this time, I'm also an assistant to the pastor working in the church in Luke. And I happen to also have some church people who were also voluntold. And the next, so Saturday we're picking up plane parts. Sunday he comes up to me and says, you know, when I was first assigned this, I was in a bad mood and horrible, whatever else. But then I said, you know what? I know Brother Bockhaus is out there. Scotty's out there. And he's always annoyingly happy and cheerful. So I figured that if I go out there and hang out with him, that his good attitude will help me to get through the day. He says, but instead... You complain like the rest of us the whole time when you're out there. And you were miserable. And instead of being able to look at someone that had hope and joy, you were miserable and it made me even more miserable. Nothing like being told in front of everyone you failed and someone watched you. Let you know that I did not have permission to be grumpy. I did not have permission to allow my emotions to affect my joy. Now remember, joy is from different than happiness. Joy is a peace that passeth all understanding. But this man had been looking up to me because I was in a position of leadership. And he was expecting me to have a testimony that he could pattern his own testimony after. And I ruined it. What I'm trying to say is that In just a moment of time. In a moment where rest of us can justify it. Nobody, none of us can condemn Moses for having a fit. And dealing harshly with these people. And stupid people and throwing things and hitting the rock. I mean, we've all felt like taking a stick and hitting something with it. Hopefully it's not a person. We can empathize with it. But it doesn't make it right. And because he lost his testimony, it had consequences. And because it was before the people, don't you think some of those people say, well, look, he's allowed to have a fit. Why can't I? You know, there were some people that did the same thing there. We always have to guard ourselves. Always have to guard ourselves because people are watching and our testimony will affect us whether they point to Christ or whether they say, ah, they're just like we, we are. The world is looking for something that's different. They're looking for someone that responds differently when the circumstances are bad. They don't want someone who's going to respond like they are, which is in the flesh. They want to look at someone that responds in the horrible situations, still trusting God and having a joy that passeth all understanding. We have to guard our testimony because in just a few minutes we could destroy what took 30 years to build. 
and just one moment. So how are you doing with it? I understand it doesn't come easy, but it's something you have to work at. It is something you have to mindfully go to the Lord and say, God, I need your help. I need your grace. I need not to be in the self, dead to self, or I need to be dead to self. I don't need to be in the flesh. God, help me. God, help me. People are watching. Your testimonies on the line. Help me to trust you. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 920- Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.